0: July 20th, 2023, we're in Masekhit, if you count from the bottom of the Amud up, it's 16 lines up, three words before the end of the line. Uh, very briefly, because we're concluding this sugya, just quickly to catch our bearings with regards to what we're up to, the Gemara had suggested that the halakha which we had addressed and talked about was really dependent upon a mahlok a dispute amongst the Tanaim, the rabbis from the time of the Mishnah. What was the halakha we were addressing? The halakha we were addressing was with regards to if a person wants to be kotim, they want to snap, they want to break, uh, something which produces a good odor, a a fragrance that would be uh, pleasant for you, are you allowed to do that on Yom Tov? On the one hand, I'm doing it just for the fragrance. There's nothing wrong, per se, in doing that. You're not snapping it from the ground, which would be a melachah. On the other hand, the action of breaking off the branch uh, is, could be uh, misconstrued uh, and in turn interpreted by yourself and others as something in which I'm fixing the branch. Fixing the branch would be problematic. You're not allowed to craft a utensil on Shabbat or Yom Tov. As a result, uh, there's a claim, one opinion, that you're not allowed to, even though you're breaking it, provided that it's a hard utensil, you're breaking it with the expressed intention of smelling it, since there's a gezerah, there's this restriction of you might come to fix a utensil, to be Makkabe Patish, finish off the uh, utensil, that could and should be Asur. That was the opinion of Rabili Ezer. Chachamim disagreed, Chachamim permitted under such circumstances, again, provided that your intention was not to craft a vessel. You utensil, but rather just for the smelling. Now, the Gemara cited in this context as part of this conversation, fleshing it out and coming to the fact that this is a dispute amongst Hachamim and Rabbi Eliezer, it cited a Mishnah Masechet Shabbat. That Mishnah Masechet Shabbat was very important. It's where we finish off this conversation as well. What was the Mishnah Masechet Shabbat? The Havid. Remember the barrel? The barrel has inside of it Giro Giro. It has inside of it dried figs your intention in breaking off the top of the barrel is not to craft a utensil, a vessel which it will be doing but it's rather just to get to the food is that permitted or not? says the Mishnah, it's permitted Uh, pauses the Gemara and its concluding line for us today then Wait a second. You just presented for me. Our conversation brought us to that's a dispute between Rabili Ezer and Chachamim. You told me by breaking the branch in order to smell from it and by so doing I'm creating a vessel but that's not my intention. Rabili Ezer says there's a rabbinic restriction. The Chachamim say there's not. Got it. Now you cited me the Mishnah Masechet Shabbat where you told me, well, it's permitted. One second, I would thought would think you should say Rebbi Le'izer says over there as well, it's restricted, it's rabbinically restricted, because your intention might be, your purpose might lead into creating something. It says the Gemara, velet le'le Rebbi haditnan shovera as the Gemara does not, Rabbi Li'ezer, contend with, uh, know about, a dispute in turn, that Mishnah Masechet Shabbat knows it's a way of saying, how come his opinion wasn't mentioned over there? You're telling me very clearly, in our Sugiyah Masechet Be'etzah, that according to Rabbi Li'ezer, you can't get involved with an even permitted action provided that there's the fear, say the rabbis, that you might come to have the intention of fixing. Well, then how come over there it's permitted? Now, you say Rebili Eze disagrees. How come his opinion wasn't recorded in the Mishnah? Leit means, is there not? Leh means, for him. Does Rebili Ezeh not know about that? In other words, why wasn't his opinion? Why didn't the Mishnah, Masechet, Shabbat say, here's the halacha according to the hachamin? But Rebili Eze disagrees. It seems like, for some reason... The Biliezer agrees over there, although over here, in the context of the branch of wood, he disagrees. Concludes the Gemara Ravasheh statement. He says that statement in the Mishnah and Masechet Shabbat was referring specifically and only to Mustake. Mustake, as Rashi explains, well, we'll start with Rashi's interpretation, is some sort of barrel which had been broken and was now pieced together with some sort of tar. And as a result, explains Rashi, and interestingly, Rashi suggests, and it kind of sounds like it, the word mustake says Rashi, Rashi was far from an Arabic speaking country. I don't know, although it's probable that he did, but I don't know that he ever met a person that spoke Arabic. Nonetheless, says Rashi, this is an Arabic word. He (laughs) cites it from a rabbi that he came in contact with. He says that that's what it means. It's an Arabic word which refers to a barrel which was broken and then pieced back together. Why does that make anything more lenient? How does that change the reality? Ultimately speaking, there's a barrel here. I severed the top, and Belize says over there it's permitted. Why over there is it permitted? Suggests Rashi, and Tosafot helps in the interpretation, we'll read it in a moment, that since it's not so strong, since it was kind of piecemeal put back together, It wasn't crafted, it's not a strong barrel, it's a barrel which was broken, and then you pasted it back together. The making of the hole at the top, a person will not purposefully craft this. They're not. If, if you're interested in taking the food out, you're gonna make a very small hole. You're, care, you're careful. I mean, think about something, I, I'm, I'm no craftsman. I'm far from being a utility person. If I fix something, I'm super careful with it because the item is now rickety. The item is now in the words of Rashi, Therefore, there's no fear, final words, that you'll come to create a vessel with this barrel because the barrel is a rickety structure. The only purpose an individual would have in breaking it open is to take food from it. That's a very significant final line of the Gemara, because it means then if we maintain that explanation that the only time... Let's go back to the conversation we had briefly yesterday. You could open a can in today's day and age is, if the can is rickety. If the can was pasted together. Uh, Really, that means to say again, soda cans and bean be- cans and so forth, should all be prohibited. That is the simple conclusion here in the Gemara. Again, the Gemara is telling us that the only circumstance wherein it's permitted to break it is mustakeh. Mustakeh we defined as something that's rickety, and therefore you don't have the fear of creating a vessel. That's that's an issue. Inch- now, first and foremost, it needs to be noted that answer of the Gemara was only for to Li'ezer. It was only, how come Rabi Li'ezer didn't speak up? Is that... The final line over here? Is that the only way to learn it? Interestingly, and we can figure this one ourselves out, if you several lines on right next to the word mustakeh, you see the little marking. There's a little hey. Already you know that that word mustakeh is going to be nifsak and shohan and harambam. Whenever you see that marking, it takes you to the top right-hand corner where it tells you where you'll find this in the words of shohan and harambam. That means to say they are posek lahalacha. It needs to be mustakeh. That's what makes this conversation a little bit more difficult. This conversation is is more difficult because, ultimately speaking, Harambam and Shohanaruch read this Gemara. Our Gemara is a punchline, final line. The only time an item, even though it has food in it, can be opened without the fear of creating a vessel, provided it's somewhat strong, is if it's rickety strong. It's pasted back together. The reality with our cans today or really at any time. How do the poskim contend with this for all intents and purposes? They generally speaking contend the way Jared was arguing yesterday, that even in our cans today, Generally speaking, a person sees that can as having the same common denominator as this mustake. The purpose of this mustake, you looked at it and you said, nobody's gonna turn that into utensils, so a utensil, so rickety He's just gonna make a small hole in order to take the stuff out. So too in a can we look at, it, we say, nobody's saving that can. What about if a person does, generally speaking? So the suggestion of the post scheme in that circumstance, I you know, I'd be hard pressed even in the observing people in our community if they ever heard of this or ever didn't, you'll understand why. It's, they generally speaking aren't reusing beans cans. But if you're living in a family, or community where you do, what you're supposed to do, ideally, say the post scheme, is puncture it first, put a hole in the bottom first. You already made it not usable again. Now I opened it up. I wasn't, and I'm not. No fear, no issue of making a, a utensil. And as a result, when it comes to cans, generally speaking, we're mekil, we're lenient in all of these sorts of circumstances. There is, says Chacham Avdi Yosef, a humrat to be had. He says a stringency which is appropriate in his eyes. Again, based on the way I'm presenting it, which is really his presentation, there doesn't need to be a stringency, but he wants to lean on the side of caution on this. He says. And the question is if he ever drank soda, uh, based on his comment on this. He says, so open all the cans before Shabbat. That's ideal. I open all the cans before Shabbat. And he's saying it as a homrah. Um, then it's not soda. Then you're syrupy water, right? In such a circumstance. And as a result, to the best of my knowledge, you know, Svaradim and Ashkenazim alike, certainly when it comes to soda cans, will open them. Um, uh, in in uh, Most, of, if not all, of the poskim today will agree to that. But again, it all stems from this sugyah soda yeah, I, mean, so I would say any kind of can No I'm talking about beans as well and all the, again bean cans is a little bit more complicated cuz some people will save those cans so the suggestion if you're that type of person you're in a community of that sort is you puncture the whole, a hole in the bottom it happens to be when so I is. first when I first got married I don't think we were using it but I think everyone around us was of that sort of head we used to puncture holes at a certain point and maybe I learned it more whatever and we stopped doing so no, uh, to, in other words, once you took the cover off. Uh, that's an interesting, I mean, in other words, in a, in a can, once you removed the cover from the can, I imagine that cover, then it needs to be put in the garbage and would be considered mukse. You could get it out of the way, but it's mukse. Um, uh, one more question. Go ahead. Going back to the stick. If I took a branch and threw some marshmallows, then I'm actually purposing the for to be that... You uh, took the stick, it was prepared before, it, it was prepared, it wasn't, before. Before. So you, you're, you're, my, I wanted to use it. Now we kind of saw something along these lines in the Gemara earlier. The Gemara, the Gemara told us you could use, well, the Gemara told us you could use it as a skewer, if you recall, which is the same idea in that respect, right? Tosafot, uh, if you take a look at the right-hand side, presents something a bit different in terms of interpretation of the final line of our Gemara. So five lines from the bottom, Kitanya ha'hibe mustake. They begin by citing from Rashi. First, they tell us Mizufefet, zefet is tar, u'reuah, and it means that it's not sturdy. Right, so the barrel and the final line of the Gemara is not sturdy. It's, it's pasted together after it was broken with tar. And the significance being, he explains, Rashi, As a result, the rabbis had no restriction, no fear that you'd come to Create something to fix the utensil. Since it's very rickety, it's not sturdy, it's not strong. You're going to have a certain care for it. That by puncturing it, by Severing the top, you might ruin the whole thing. And as a result you make the smallest hole as possible, which doesn't really create a, a utensil. Continues so and says the haravra benu yitz hakpiresh masekitn Eruvin kevanche medubakin bezefit vena hatihoche lemot lahaveshum tikun keli. Tosavot alternatively, uh, quote from Rabbeinu Yitzhak, um, that a different interpretation, since it's many small pieces put, pasted together with the uh, tar, it's not considered a keli. Of course, this is a conversation, how do you determine, how do you define what a vessel is? You have to learn masechet in order to really get to the bottom of that, but it's significant to be mentioned over here. In other words, the vision, you know, it's reminiscent to a certain extent. Of the famous Gemara beza which is talking, uh, excuse me, which is talking about the Tanush al Achnai, which is talking about an oven which was broken and then pasted back together with cement. What's the status with regards to Tuman Tahara? The famous and Hakamim, kind of reminiscent over here. But again, the statement of Rabbi Yitzhak is why is the punchline over here Mustake? lenient the answer is because it's not a vessel why is it not a vessel it's a lot of small pieces put together that's not a utensil sorry go ahead are there any no. items on yom tov that you're not allowed to eat because of this situation because it sounds like if you take a stick and make it skewer or make it a marshmallow stick that's actually a tool almost so,
1: but but in people? such a
0: circumstance, keep in mind, you didn't really do anything to the piece of wood, right? You just picked up a piece of wood. Technically speaking, we have a fear with regards to wood that it's mukse However, you're allowed to use it on Yom Tob in order to light a fire. So the Gemara suggested, and we're posseq that way, that what's the difference between lighting the fire or using it as a skewer? Uh, certainly, you're going to have circumstances where um, where, where uh, I, I don't know if it's per se for food, but you're going to have circumstances where you, you have to stay away from crafting this and turning it into utensils. I mean, we saw examples which are objectively min problematic if you're going to turn it into a toothpick. Prohibited. Uh, it's, not, it's not for the means of food. It's interesting you mention food in this context because in this, on this final line, again, we presented two explanations, Rashi and now Rabbeinu Yitzhak. On the right-hand side of the Gemara, you have the commentary of Rabbeinu El. Rabbi Hanane was an important um, uh, uh, preceded Rashi, a uh, Northern African uh, rabbi. And in my Gemara at the very least, it's just a few lines from the bottom of the page. You can find it or listen to it. It says, maybe mehudakin betoche Havit. He says, What does mustake mean? It means that the, um, the uh, figs which are inside are pasted to or stuck to the bottom of the barrel so that's right What does that mean? Mm -hmm. What Rabbeinu Hananel seems to be suggesting, the way the Aharonim interpret his words are, he's saying that since the barrel is only purposeful to be holding the food inside, that's mustakir. what's the proof? The food is pasted inside of it, you're not really using the barrel, similar to all the circumstances we were just referring to earlier, the cans which have the food inside of them and so forth, there's no problem of tikkun keli. What would you liken that to? To a bit easier, Mm. cracking an egg. Is it asur? I'm creating a vessel, am I not? No, that's not a vessel. It was only holding the inside yolk, the inside stuff, right? Of course, by extension, all of the foodstuffs that we'll be talking about would be permitted as well. It means that final line, Alan, along your lines, is distinguishing between mustakeh, which had food inside of it, and the branch, which just has a smell inside of it. You don't say the branch is a receptacle uh, just for the food, like a shell of, an, of, of, a, of, of, of a peanut or the shell of, a, of an egg you say that it's it's a branch, it has a good smell. Over here you say that barrel, Oh, that barrel has pasted stuff inside of it. It's really just there in order to hold it in. That's the third approach to this final line of the Gemara. What, what is up. the difference between Tosafo and Rashi? It seems like it's very similar. You're asking to any... nafkamina? Yeah, or, or, so usually Tosafo never adds anything. Oh, but they ha- You're asking what would a nafkamina sort of circumstance, I have an answer to that. What would be if, you know, again I'm no craftsman, but I can imagine that a person would paste it with tar and it's not rewah, it's not rickety, it is very sturdy. According to Rashi you'd have a problem. According to Tosafot, no, but ultimately speaking, it's a lot of different pieces. I don't care if it's strong or weak. Ultimately speaking, it's a lot of different pieces. That's not considered halachically speaking. No, Tosafot Rabbeinu. No, first the quoting from Rashi, and then Tosafot, two lines from Bana Harav Rabenu Yitzhak Piresh, k'ivan she medubakim v'adzefet v'en ha-hatikot shlemot, tikun tikunkeli. Right, it has nothing to do with it being strong or weak. It has everything to do with the fact that it's a lot of different pieces put together, huh? Okay, says the Gemara onward, if you call the Mishnah told us that you're allowed to collect um, the different slivers of, and uh, pieces of wood out in the field in order to bring them inside. Tanur Rabbanan says the Beraita, explaining this further, you're allowed to, again, collect, gather, pieces of wood from the field and then light them. Everything that's out in the field is considered it's considered not mukzeh. If it's in your field if it's in your courtyard we say that's on your mind from before Yom Tov no issue of Mukse Ubilvad shelo siburim siburin. This is provided that, the clause, says the Beraita, you're not making many piles. In other words, you're not making extensive piles. You can gather it all together and bring it in, but you can't pile it up. That's what the Beraita, you could even have piles. Uh, what's what's the here? what's what's the issue over here about why would you distinguish before we continue the rishonim do address what we've talked about once or twice already why isn't there a melacha over here of meamer remember meamer i know we don't think about it very often but that's making piles as we mentioned at the time, one of the major opinions in the Gemara is that the mikosheshetim, the public violator of Shabbat in the Torah, what melacha was he doing? He was gathering wood. Gathering wood is a me'amir. Why isn't this me'amir? How could anyone permit this? So, What's that? But you're gathering you're piecing things together. Is there only two ways you could use it this time? Or maybe pile if you might extend so I I think now I'm doing it for Jeffrey, all right? <laughs> Eli, um, I think when Eli, what Jeffrey is suggesting, and some of the Rishonim do suggest so, if I'm not mistaken, is that over here, I'm just putting it in pile in order to carry it out. My purpose in p- making these piles is not to leave it as a pile. The Melacha is... I'm doing something constructive by making a pile. Over here, my intention is not to leave this out in the field. I'm gathering it together in order to bring it in or in order to bring it to my oven. It's not a purposeful piling. That's, that is one approach. Alternatively, if you recall, we saw in Daflamid Alif Amud Alif at the very top of the Amud Tosafot. Said the following based on the Gemara on Shabbat and Daf Ein Gimel: Lo Shayach Imur two Tulan from Tapa Namin Dalet B'Makom Shigedelim Sham. The only time we consider something Melechet Me'Amir is in the place where it grows, and in turn the assumption is that this wood got thrown in, strewn through your yard, it's not per se that it grew there. Melachav me'amer is only in the place where it is grown, as the Gemara suggests and explains, according to Tosafot's understanding. Okay, so that's a parenthetical point. Back to our Gemara. So we have a machloket here in the Beraitah. With regard, to so I went into my field, everybody agrees, in this Beraitah I'm allowed to gather the wood that's there, there's no mukseh issue. However, says Tanakama say hachamim, but don't do siburim siburim, don't have collected, gathered piles. Says so Rabbi Shimon, even that's permitted. Says so the Gemara, "Be my What are they disputing? What splits the two of them? Peleg means split or half. What's the Mahlokit over here? How do you explain why Hachamim and Bishimon disagree? More so savar the aharina, Says the Gemara, the Mahlokit goes as follows. Mor means the master. So the way we're referring to the hachamim <laughs> the one master and the other master, one opinion and the other opinion. So as the Gemara hachamim, <laughs> their opinion is, mehzeh, LaHazot <laughs> means to see. It's, it is seen as, it appears as the kamachnif that you're, you're gathering for tomorrow and for another day in other words it appears to the onlooker as if since you're making piles you're preparing for tomorrow that could be a potentially any this Torah you're not allowed to prepare we saw this on you're not allowed to prepare no you're not allowed to prepare I mean, you can't on Shabbat or Yom Tob do any preparation of any sort for, for the next day and as a result, the suggestion over here is by gathering it together, it looks like you're preparing it for the next day. Alternatively, the other opinion says, no, oh, so then why should it be permitted? ala. What does it mean? Kiderato? Is Kidera is a pot. The fact that you have a pot nearby. Well, that's the proof that I'm doing it for today. I mean, why else are you gathering it? The guy walks by and he sees you doing. It. He says, "My goodness, he must be preparing for." The-. And they say, "Oh no, but he's got the oven right there and his pot on it. He's doing it for preparation today." That's the machlok. And how far do we go psychologically with regards to people looking at you? Are they going to make this assumption or not? Question. Oh, that was. Oh, okay. All right. Good. Says, all right, but I, I gave you credit for something else. Says the Gemara onward, if you recall the Mishnah in its second to last statement said, you're not allowed to produce fire. You're not allowed to bring forth fire. It's not that you're not allowed to use fire. you allowed to use fire. You can't bring forth fire. Uh, why are you not allowed to bring forth the Mishnah? Gave us a lot of ways you would do so with two rocks, with two, with wood, with sand, with with a utensil and water, etc., right? Tiles, that's right. It says the Gemara, four lines from the bottom. What's the reason that it's Asur? To be uh, bringing forth fire on Yom Tov. Because you'll be giving birth on Yom Tov. Of course, you're not giving birth to a baby, but you're giving birth to fire. You're bringing something that didn't exist into existence and that is rabbinically prohibited. On daf kafkima the Gemara, which we didn't learn together yet, the Gemara talks about uh, a, a circumstance where you're sahufe kasa ashiraih, uh, which means that you're taking a uh, a cup filled with uh, perfume of some sort and you have a uh, silk garment and you're soaking it, the uh, 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 equivalent today of taking perfume or cologne and spraying it onto clothing. The Gemara says that's prohibited, both on Shabbat and in Yom Tov. You're allowed to put it on your skin, you're not allowed to put it into a garment. Why not, says the Gemara, it's molid, same words as the Gemara over here. Rashi over there explains it's not a biblical violation; it's a rabbinic violation. It appears wrong. Say the Hakamim explains Rashi in such a circumstance. What you're doing is kamolid vashirayim. Rashi explained over there that it is something which looks as if you're creating something new. Uh, where's the lashon of Rashi here? Three lines from top and daf davar hadash. Someone who, so to speak, births something new. It's similar to, it's close to creating a new craftsmanship, a new purposeful act. Certainly. We haven't seen that explicitly, but that's clear. So why can't you do perfume to perfume? I mean, it's perfume to... Into a garment. It's the same... Because the, under I mean, by extension, you'll say, I mean, the, the idea is now this garment is new. And this it's different. What's that? And this but it's the same fire as beforehand. It's the same perfume. The, the, the garment, same. garment that created a perfume. But now it's a perfumed garment. I understand, we're splitting hairs. I hear you. I hear the logic, I hear the logical question. Yom Tov and Shabbat, that's molid. Harambam in Perik Dalit to Vilchot Yom Tov. is a different interpretation to these words in the At the very onset of the Perik Dalit. He says the issue over here, when, when the Gemara uses this word molid, it doesn't mean as we're suggesting that you're birthing something new. It alternatively means that you are preparing, a step removed, the food, Preparation in a way that could have been done before Yom Tov. We've talked about this concept more than once to be done. Chachamim. nefesh. When you're preparing, not they actually cooking the food. You're preparing the preliminary stages, lighting the fire, in a way that could have been done before Yom Tov. I could have lit the fire before Yom Tov. I'm preparing it on Yom Tov. Uh, we draw the line over there again. Rabbinically prohibited, but it's machshirei ochil. Shaya Asot Yom Tov. That's Haram Bam's interpretation. There is a suggestion Maran and others that maybe we don't go leniently this way. Kaf and others point out we don't we aren't lenient. What if you had no access to fire before you were on a trip? You were on something you really couldn't prepare. You don't have a stationary place. Maybe according to Adam would be permitted. We don't generally speaking um, have such a leniency. And lastly, in terms of interpreting this line in the Gemara, what's that? No, all all only going to be midrash banan. Can't you be makom hatzorech, be lenient? Maybe if it's a mamash, uh, you know, if it's ochel nefsh, you're not going to have any food. Why would and if it's a why would it be an issue on Shabbat? I understand Yom Tov. Take a fire, esh. Fire on Shabbat. There's going to be any and in, in Torah. Correct. So it's not it's not a rabbinic prohibition. The holadat esh. Even a fire on Yom Tov is mutar. To bring to, to do the spark of fire is midrabanan. On Shabbat you have a whole extra issue. You're not allowed to be playing with fire at all. Not even from a pre-existing fire. That's that's yeah. the point, right? But molid on Shabbat you'll have in a real circumstance where you're spraying the garment, where you're potentially, although we're matir I mentioned yesterday two days ago when you're making the seltzer. That's the conversation that gets entered as well. well. Why, the, the question I mean, why are we allowed to? Why would we think? Why is the ish not the oraika on Yom Tov? Don't hold the foot of Shabbat. Why do you it? No, I'm to the humanities of yod bet. As long as I'm doing something on Yom Tov, it's permitted. Why are you allowed to carry on Yom Tov if you don't have an airov, if it's not for food? It's mutarbet, it Hilal's opinion, right? Uh, lastly, in terms of interpreting this Ra'avad, who's uh, the individual from southern France who disagrees with Harambam very often, he suggests at the beginning of Pentecostal that the interpretation of our Gemara is yet Different as well, he has a third interpretation. Rashi, molid, haramba, machshirei ochonefesh that you could have done before on top. Raavad suggests it's a Mukse type of issue over here. That's Raavad's uh, interpretation. It's a difficult cell, but that's how he suggests the interpretation over here. He says it's similar to nolad. Right, where the egg was born and it wasn't there yesterday. So, to over here, the fire wasn't there, you birthed that fire. It's something along the lines of mukzeh. Okay, that's what we have in our Gemara, as we mentioned in Shelo to Shabbat Bet Yitzhak and others. There has been and was, less today, but once was, a real conversation about this with regards to electricity on Yom Tov, is the uh, circuit. Which is closed in uh, creating uh, uh, electricity, um, actually considered holadat ish. is the stream there throughout, or are you in some w- some way sparking something new. That's really what 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 the conversation in turn uh, that ensues from the gemara with regards to electricity. Okay, continues the gemara. It says, "Ve'en melabbenin et The mishnah said that you're not allowed to light on fire or heat up with fire. Tiles, what would you be using these tiles for? You'd then place a pot on top of it or eggs on top of it. You want to heat it up so that you could use it for food. You're not allowed to do so. So, as the Gemara, Maika what are you doing wrong in heating up the tiles? Why is that on Yom Tov? The first interpretation in the Gemara is that of Rabbi Yohanan. We're dealing with new tiles. And the way it would work with tiles is, I don't know how strong this tile will be. What do I mean? I don't know how strong it'll be. I don't know how strong it'll be. Is it going to be able to withstand, is it built properly, withstand the heat source which is underneath it and stay intact so that I'll be able to put my food on top of it afterwards? And as a result of it being new, I don't know when I heat up the tile, I've never used it before, I've never tested it before, whether it's going to shatter or it's actually going to be usable. What's the problem? So test it out on Yom Tov. Okay. If it shatters worse than the Kaylee's done already, it's the next answer in the Gemara. If it shatters, it means I wasted my time and energy on Yom Tov. It was a melacha shel right? The only way we're going to be matir is if there's some of Yom Tov. Over here, I have my new tile, and I'm uncertain whether I'm going to use it for my food or not. I light fire underneath, oh, and then it shatters. Not using it. What would you just do? Look back at what you just did. You just wasted your time and energy, and you did something which was asur on Yom Tov. If it stays strong, so then, of course, you'll be able to use it. But that's the issue. Rashi, levodkan, im yukhlu lekabel libuna. You have to check them when you have new tiles, whether they're strong enough, whether they were built in a way that they're dense and compact. To the extent that they're not going to break. Therefore, on Yom Tov, you're not allowed to light them. Dilma, maybe, they'll shatter, they'll break and it will emerge that you endeavor, that you spend time and effort on Yom Tov with no purpose. So that's the first interpretation of the Gemara. Again, what's the issue? The issue is the Mishnah told us that you're not allowed to be We know that word libun. Libun we know from when you're uh, koshering utensils. We have different types of koshering, right? We have ha if something had a, uh, a liquid medium, if you had a, uh, something that uh, you put water, a pot, you put water and then you put items into it. You put oil and then you put something into it. How do you kosher that if you used it for dairy and it was meat, etc.? Hagala, you then immerse it in boiling hot water, a spoon, a fork, etc. And then you have something called libun. Libun means I have to power it with fire. Why do I need to power with fire? Because it was used with fire. Like what? Like a grate, like a skewer. There's no medium of, of, of liquid. The way that you're going to kosher it is either with a blowtorch or throwing it into fire, literally, like right? An no. Like an oven. oven needs libun as well, and you'll do that in self-cleaning or another way. Okay, so that's what we're dealing with over here. The first explanation of the Gemara is mipineshet levotka, and the are new ones. Ve'amre'la, and the Gemara has a different interpretation which seems similar, but in the ensuing lines of the Gemara, you'll see there's a major difference between these two. The issue is not that I'm uncertain whether it'll be durable, and as a result, I have a safik about whether I can do this because it might emerge as something that was prohibited because it was tirhashorich, uh exerting myself with no use. Rather, rashi, shetzarih le kosman Even though my intention is just to heat up this utensil, this uh, tile, what I'm doing by lighting the fire under it is hardening it. In the words of Jesse a moment or two ago, I'm finishing the keli. I'm crafting a utensil over here. Rashi behesek rishon hem mithazekim. In the first lighting underneath it, they become strengthened. U'mitkashim, <laughs> and they become hardened. Hilkach, therefore, afal gabde yom tov. Even though it emerges that, yeah, I'm using this for yom tov. In other words, it didn't shatter according to this. So even if it doesn't, namehu <laughs> Six, in Asa Keli Asur says, Rashi, the issue is that you turned it into a utensil. So we have two suggestions in the Gemara, which again will emerge as fundamental positions on this matter, with regards to the tiles. Why can you not light the tile on a strong fire on Yom Top? First explanation in the Gemara, you're dealing with a new tile and as a result there's a fear it might be shattered through lighting the fire. The other explanation, Rashi says because it's also the first time, I'll be hardening it and finishing the utensil. Harambam and many of the other poskim leave out, they suggest this second interpretation of the Gemara and they don't say first time. And the suggestion of many is, the reason they don't say first time is because every time you use these tiles, you're further strengthening them. Oh, but wait a second, my intention is not to strengthen it. My intention is that it be hard, that it be hot, so that I can cook on it. Why is that a problem? Okay, so that gets into a conversation. We've had many times in our Massechid of something called melakha she'enat siricha legufa. We can flesh that out and discuss it further on another occasion, but that's the two opinions and we'll deal with them in the ensuing lines of the Gemara. amen